0: So if you're a lover of diversity like I am, you might think to yourself, okay Rowdy, we spent a lot of time on this notion of generationalism. We talked about traditionalists, we talk about baby boomers, we talk about Generation X, uh, millennials, Gen Z. That's a lot, dude. I'm kinda here more for race or uh, I'm much more interested personally in sexism, right? You might be wondering like what gives, what's the deal and why does this matter? Well, today what we are gonna do is synthesize everything that we've learned and everything that we've learned to understand because I like this notion of generationalism because of the fact that, again, it's kind of socially acceptable to discriminate based on generation. And we do it all the time and there's no real implications to it. And so if we're looking on what we can do to understand ourselves better through the lens of this generationalism, then we got to dive into this stuff and understand that they're really very, very much interconnected and really very very much something that it's important, something that we need to take the time to look at, something that we need to take the time to reflect on. So today in the podcast what we are going to look at is we're going to talk a little bit about how each generation affects each other generation. And then the other main point that we're really going to cover today is what are some main values that each generation has and what are the value drivers for each of those generations. And we'll look at why we need to know and understand these things so we can actually talk to folks and speak their values to them to create common, cohesive change in a good way that benefits us all. Remember, you might think traditionalists suck right now because you see nothing but old people in MAGA hats. But not all old people are that way and old people are actually the most communalist generation that we've had of all the ones that we've looked at. So understanding these things, how they come together is incredibly important so let's start it. taking the dive into taking a little bit of a synthesis on what each generation was like what its drivers were so traditionalists remember started life on farm on the farm in one world then went to war then went into the industrial revolution at once they came back first generation to have women work in the workforce with a sense of being main providers from the house again Folks looking at like stuff like victory gardens, things of that nature, because of the fact that they needed to have some sense of self-sustainability. Uh, they had that farming sense with them. Why not bring that stuff into the home? Something that really made a difference for them. Upon return from the war, mask migration happened from rural areas into urban areas. So this was the beginning of the big shift from rural to urban life for most folks in America. These people never had an experience of what it was like to be a teenager. Isolation kept them from things like drugs and from crime because you really can't effectively rob your neighbors. There was premarital sex, but then there also was shotgun weddings. So it looked like these folks had good, pure, Uh, wonderful morals, but not really. They just had a way of hiding these things and also not talking about these things. So remember, their moral value isn't higher, it's just different because they had access to some things, they didn't have access to other things. And that made a really big difference for them. They learned how to be selfless from the war effort They also learned how to be frugal due to the depression and they were very, very loyal because they found out if they were loyal and they did buy in to defeat the war effort, or if they did buy in to this new industrial economy that they were going to see the fruits of that labor. So they're loyal in a way that we uh, have a harder time being because they were rewarded for that loyalty when they did do these things. They learned if you put your time in and you do your work, you're gonna be rewarded. That post-war GI Bill drove them from the suburbs and gave them access to education as well as housing like no other generation had done before. And again, it was direct result because of the fact that they had just gotten off World War II and from the depression, and that created a sense of collectivism among that generation like we had not seen ever before. Now, looking at baby boomers, baby boomers was the first generation to have fewer siblings. So, you know, traditionalists might have like 15, 16 different brothers and sisters, because that's what it took to run a farm. Baby boomers had fewer siblings, but way more peers. I mean, way more peers, tons of peers. This was the first generation to experience being a teenager and being influenced by other teens, which was much more proliferous at this time, right? So now we're in a space where there's a city, there's overflowing schools. Uh, Now, seeing other folks as peers and what do peers do to influence other peers uh, was the first time that this really happened. First time that they ever got to experience having a time called being a teenager and created what teenager meant. Uh, Again, because there was tons of other teams and there was much more proliferous at this time, being a teenager influenced other teens in a time where there was just so many folks there. They sat three to four at a desk. They were the first generation to really experience television. Fewer channels meant more collective experiences for them. So when you talk about like, do you remember where you were when Kennedy was shot? Or, um, all of them relating to Gilligan's Island, which is not a great show, but it was on, right? And so given the fact that this it was actually on, they had a collective identification with this thing. They did have access to drugs, and they did take them. They could commit more crime, because there was enough people to commit crime around. Uh, and they did have moral premarital sex, but they also had less shotgun weddings, so there was more single-parent households, too. Baby movers saw the world as magical. They were treated as special because they were able to receive most of their parents' attention because of the fact there wasn't like 12 other kids in which they had to share that attention with. Life was magical and they learned that if they competed, that the world could be theirs. So all they had to do was compete for jobs. All they had to do was compete to get in some of the best schools. And this was a possibility for them since they didn't have as much work or as much responsibility thrust on them at a younger age, this was the first generation to aspire to a uh, idea called self-fulfillment. So they'd be, this is actually really the first me generation that you're ever gonna see because of the fact that they had the time to focus on themselves individually. Additionally, this drive towards self-fulfillment also meant that more folks got divorced. That also meant that more parents in the workplace spent more time at work and spent less attention on their children because of the fact that they were worried about themselves because they could, they had the time and leisure time to be worried about just themselves and not necessarily everybody else. There was much less of a need for a common good for baby boomers and this led to more divorces, more parents in the workplace, more spaces where both parents were working at the same time and the attention on their children wasn't given to us fully and their hopes and dreams took the spotlight of this attention. Now, it's important to note that late boomers had to enter a darker world due to the notions of stagflation. Stagflation was high inflation and not a lot of growth, which led to a diminishment in jobs and overtime. They also had the Nixon scandal, which was the first time that they really saw that they couldn't trust their government. And so they became skeptical of their government. They also eroded the general confidence of all Americans in America. The gas crisis of the 70s. These folks at times became the yuppies, the young urban professionals that became really, really concerned with upward mobility and making a lot of money and looking like you made a lot of money. So it's important to note that denotation between early boomers and late boomers because late boomers had less of that special feeling. Now generation X was the first generation to deal with darker economic outlooks. They were the first major generation to be raised by single parents. And because at the time there was no infrastructure for this, there was no real before or after school care. So they were latchkey kids, which means they came home, they made themselves a snack and they started on homework themselves. Again, you're going to see a lot of communal experiences with television shows and syndication. And they really affect this generation quite a bit. They were also, Uh, born at a time where there was still a sense of stranger danger and child abductions, but it wasn't so extensively covered by the media. And frankly, there was nowhere to go. So you couldn't put your kid in before or after school care because there was no before or after school care. And at the same point in time, you're seeing more and more of stories on the media of child abductions or bad things happening to kids and so they understood and knew that this was going to be a problem but they didn't have the infrastructure to make a difference for those kids in those spaces they were the last generation to be told to come home when it's dark because again no one was there to watch them there wasn't that many people to babysit them because the baby boomers were all in the workforce so there wasn't a generation right ahead of them to kind of look out for them in the same way They were the first generation to experience a both pre and post-internet world. They were much more cynical and much more sarcastic due to the fact that they saw that the world was not going to be rewarding from them for their efforts in the same way. So they saw and noticed that the world was not going to be something special, so they just wanted folks to be real with them. They were very, very individualistic due to needing to be self-sufficient as well as needing to be adaptable. They were flexible because they needed to adapt to the huge generations around them. Both Baby Boomers and Millennials outnumbered Generation X by a lot, and so they had to find a sense of balance and so work-life balance means a lot to them and they very very much appreciate realness as well as honesty when you're talking with them and dealing with them moving on to millennials this is the first generation to grow up with the internet and the first generation to have parents with access to the internet and had a sense of kind of how it worked but not exactly knowing how well it worked as much as the kids knew so it's not atypical that your millennial is the IT person of your generation because millennials were still raised by baby boomers and so they had spent a lot of their life without the internet and millennials were natives to it. There is a need for boomer parents to feel like they have to perform parenthood well and they kind of have this performance of parenthood measurement with like mommy blogs or sharing their children's accomplishments. And it's a form of self-reflection on their own work. So again, with millennials, you see these like helicopter parents because of this notion that they want to like prove to one another that they're not just doing a good job in their work, but they're also doing an amazing job as a parent. And you can tell they're doing an amazing job as a parent because these kids are doing so well. This generation was the most ethnically diverse generation and had more racial and ethnic mixing because this was the children of boomers that had lived through the civil rights era, Era. (laughs) area. Oh my goodness. This generation centered children in their experience. So children were mostly cared about, children were valued, children were very important. And you see a lot of uh, resource and attention being put on this generation. They had before or after school programs. You'll see these kids in soccer, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, like a million different before and after school activities because their parents are wanting to see them exposed to a lot of uh, access to opportunity in the world. They are also very afraid of low self-esteem because their parents really drilled that into them. The fact that they're good people, that they have the ability to to add and the capacity to make a difference. That's why they feel that way. That's why millennials wanna be part of everything because they've always been part of everything. Their parents asked their opinions about their clothes before they left for work. So of course, they're gonna really have a need to add their input into things. Because their parents do not want them to feel less them, their parents gave them participation trophies. And again, this is also where you see this notion coming from. It's not millennials' fault that they were given participation trophies. It's the boomers' parents' fault that they did this to them. And so now they wanna be recognized for their efforts in all spaces and places. They only know an interconnected well, and they aspire to make a difference, to do good as well as to do well. Generation Z, Our final generation, again, these folks were raised by Generation X. And again, this generation is centered on by their parents, but in a much more realistic way. So you'll see a little bit more accountability with Gen C than you do with millennials. Generation X parents were never gonna give their kids participation trophies because they know the world is a harsh and rough place. So they wanna prepare their kids to be successful in that space. They are very, very connected by social media, know and understand and can leverage social media in a really special way. And I think that's something that's very, very helpful. They're very savvy about how to use it properly too. And they won't make the same mistakes on social media that millennials had made in the past. This generation is very, very affected by the war on terrorism. Active shooter drills, not knowing which one of your friends or, or classmates you can trust is gonna be, give them a sense of skepticism. And then also like you don't know where threats are coming from. So it's hard for people to get, for, it's maybe a little bit hard for, harder for them to get closer to others. They are very independent and more do-it-yourself than any other generation before them. And it's because there's so many how-to videos, as well as the feeling of when you watch a how-to video, whether you do that thing or not, you feel like you can do that thing or not, which leads to that DIY attitude. They must multitask because they are very, very much used to having a million things demanding their attention all at the same time. They uh, are very, they are very afraid of the fear of missing out because in a world that updates live all the time, you're used to having information happening like every five minutes. So they're gonna check in on things in every five minutes because they're wor- they're used to a world of live updates. They have that fear of missing out and so knowing how to leverage that fear of missing out or talking to them and letting them know that a yes is a no to something else is going to be something that's harder for them to understand. Again, they got to multitask and because they have not been rewarded for focus, they've been rewarded for being able to divide their attention on a million different things and then still somehow move them towards a closer goal. They're gonna need to worry about completing classes in a multi-connected or interconnected way because that's how they see the world. They are very realistic and very entrepreneurial. They need to feel like they are gonna be doing and using work a meaningful way. So now I'm gonna give you the top five values and the top five by value drivers for each of these generations. So if you're interested in generations or you work with folks from differing generations, you might wanna write down the values as well as the value drivers, but you'll also see a notice in the notes so you can copy, cut and paste those down for us too. So traditionalists, they valued conformity. The value driver is because the collective need to band together to make it through the depression as well as to make it through the horrors of World War II. Their next value, dedication slash sacrifice. Uh, the value driver was because they needed to overcome obstacles in their day-to-day and they had to do it and they had to expect other people to do it well. Um, you weren't going to be special enough to, for us to think what was going to happen to you. They knew sometimes other people were going to die or other folks had to sacrifice or do without because of the De- Great Depression and because of World War II. Loyalty. Uh, the value driver here again is because they were loyal to country and then organizations as well as institutions were loyal to them and they got that loyalty back and they were rewarded at that time with pensions with gi bills with a lot of opportunities for the things that they've done so they tend to be more loyal and much more institutional than any other generation before them you're also going to notice traditionalists have a real respect for authority They had to deal with much more of a top-down approach from their military experience. And for women, they had to work for male managers that didn't have time to explain things to them. They just said, do it, do it this way. And so they have a lot of respect for authority because they know they need that in that way in order to get that thing done. They also have patience and discipline. This was needed for work on the farm and then later needed to make it through to the depression and needed to make it through World War II. So again, that value driver for patience and discipline is right there. Baby boomers, their value is competition. They had to. They had to compete. Their value driver is needing to compete to stand out among peers. They also value personal growth. Again, the value driver was this is the first generation to have enough leisure time to seek out who were they were, who they were and think about what really mattered to them. They're also super team oriented. They had to learn and work in groups and value team due to a lack of resources and due to a lack of individualized attention from institutions. They have strong collective bonds and they were the first generation to have this teenager experience. They also have a value for involvement. They learned that in order to change policy among their bo- their traditionalist bosses, they had to do so within a hierarchy to prove to those traditionalist bosses why the change was needed with a plethora of evidence and to join committees and meetings to show that they had good ideas and to prove that it would work. They also had this sense of optimism. Uh, again, that value driver is they drew up in a magical time in the American experience, Television. Moon landing, largest growing economy ever, a world with advancing civil rights, and again making it to the moon in their generation is going to be something that really resonates with these folks. Generation X value, work-life balance, companies cunt pensions and boomers wouldn't retire, and so their efforts didn't give them access to the same type of results as boomers. So they seek to have happiness and work and life, so that's that value driver. Uh, Value, they were independent. Uh, As being latchkey kids, they were not centered on with their attention by their parents and they needed to, on their own, learn how to figure out how to do things on their own. They needed to learn how to cook, they needed to learn how to sew, because their parents weren't available to do those things for them. Very, very adaptable next value. Uh, Having been independent, as well as the first generation to experience the internet, as well as the information A's, means that they had to learn how to navigate many, many different worlds. Next value is skeptical and cynical. Uh, again, many promises of the past were not available and were definitely not realistic for this generation. They really want folks to be real and honest with them, and they need proof that someone is loyal before loyalty be- will be returned because of that natural sense of skepticism. Remember, you know, if your parents didn't stick around for you, you're gonna need people to prove that they really care about you. They're also very, very pragmatic. Again they're very real and not overly optimistic, but can be moved with logic appeals, as well as proof and evidence of why something is an idea. But it can't be overly optimistic, it's gotta be realistic. So you have to show these folks the downside to something before they're gonna believe you too. Millennials, again, very, very tech savvy uh, is going to be one of their values. That driver is they grew up in a world with the answers at their fingertips, but it also means they don't know exactly know how to discern good information from bad information because there's so much information. So, again, they're tech savvy, but they're going to need help figuring out good from bad resources, too. They're very self-confident parents of millennials were the first to give this generation participation trophies. It wasn't them, it was their parents. Their self-esteem has always been groomed and coaxed. And so if you believe in them and their value and their ability to help, then you can also be honest with them and tell them about their downfalls and how they can improve upon those things so they can have real self-confidence and not just fake self-confidence. So leverage this need for self-confidence with being real with them to help them. They're also gonna need to seek personal attention as well as validation. They crave feedback. They really, really wanna do a good job. And though they might have outsized egos to their experience, they actually really do like critical feedback too. But they gotta know you care about them and that you value them when you do give them critical feedback. Otherwise, they're lost and they don't know if they can trust you or not. So they need that value driver in that way for personal attention and validation. They seek to do good and as well as to do well. Uh, millennials are very religious, but they are not spiritual. They see the world as dark and having a lot of problems, but and they both want to make money as well as making the world a better place. So that sense of balance matters a lot to them. So know when you're talking to millennials, talk to them about how this is going to make a difference for other people as well as how they're going to make money. And millennials also really value instant feedback. The more positive and negative feedback you can give a millennial, the faster that they will improve for you. They need that because they're used to a live updating world. They're used to a world where their parents dote on them with all their attention. Um, so don't be too busy to make them better. Otherwise you're going to be too busy because you don't have the time to help them become their best. Lastly, Generation Z, their value drivers, again, instant feedback, again, the more positive and negative feedback you can give them, the faster they will approve for you. They don't take negative attention as badly because their cynical Generation X parents made that something that they could have to learn to deal with. Don't be too busy to make them better. Again, you will be in a space where you're doing more work because you haven't groomed the folks to take on more of a load for you. Remember that delayed adolescence is one of those things that you got to get out of your head if you're going to leverage these younger generations. FOMO or fear of missing out. In a world of real-time updates, they are deeply afraid of being left behind or, worse, left out. Help them to understand that a yes to something is a no to something else, and assure them of their value, and we can find a way to really leverage this generation to get better. They're also incredibly DYI. This is the most do-it-yourself generation ever. Uh, Leverage their myriad skills and think outside of their role about how you can get them to provide value in many different ways, and they're gonna impress you with their ability to get stuff done. Another value is their entrepreneurial spirit. This generation can leverage many different connections and many different industries and also know how to get things done in ways that we hadn't been able to consider before. Listen to them about how we can do things in more entrepreneurial ways in a very quickly changing economy. Most of these folks are gonna have jobs we've never even heard of. So we gotta listen to them if we're gonna stay relevant in the new economy. Lastly, their value again is being real and honest. These children of Generation X parents are used to pragmatism. Be real and honest to them, be loyal to them and show them how you're loyal to them and show them how, when and where they can improve and they will be loyal to you you as well. But if they stop talking to you, they're getting ready to go. So remember this when we're talking about loyalty. And with that, that's most of what I got for the generational podcast. So this is the point of the podcast where we take a second and talk a little bit about self-care. Self-care, before this week, had been great. I have been getting a lot of cardio in, although I've been doing a little bit more fat burning than cardio. I really need to look at getting into a little bit more high-intensity interval training so I can really get my wind back because I'm going to be starting flag football soon. And as you all know, that is something that is very near and dear to my heart. Also, meditation has been pretty good. I feel like I've been getting at least one or two sessions in pretty much weekly. So that hasn't been bad. Reading has been terrible still. Still need to get back on the reading train. Uh, Lifting, great. Four times a week doing that really good and staying on top of those things. So feeling really good about my self-care with the lifting. And then last thing would be uh, my supplements. So yeah, I've been taking my supplements pretty good. I need to get back on training tank a little bit better because he's still suffering from the fact that he doesn't get more regular training. But I'm looking at spending a lot more time with him. I will have recorded this right before we've gone on retreat up at Dave and Dawn's Cabin up in Prescott. We're gonna stay up there for four days and it's supposed to be really freezing cold and I'm really looking forward to that myself. And then as far as what I have been doing to stay active in my community, there's actually been a lot of stuff. I've worked with Playworks and I did the Identity Circle to talk about the importance of leadership and diversity and anti-bullying and that happened a couple weeks ago. This week that's coming up, I'm gonna be at the Dawnland screening where we're gonna be talking about some of the trials and tribulations that happen with cultural genocide and what happens when those things go down i finally have given the generationalism talk for mortensen and that went really really well which i was really happy to see i put a lot of work into that speech so the fact that it went well made me proud I also went to a men's conference for Native American male empowerment in uh, Maricopa or higher education, and that was really something that was very, very satisfying. I looked to attend a woke shop, but didn't make it to it. I did go to an Aliento community event. I had a healing racism meeting. I went to the Native Nation screenings. I did I did a lot. I attended an STD and youth seminar, which was interesting because I got to talk about the problematics of some STDs, how you can avoid those things and where that stuff comes from. So as far as activity goes, I have been incredibly active in the last few weeks. And so that's been great. I've been happy to see those things and I really like being of use in the community. I have a lot more busyness and interestingness stuff coming out i am leading the tedx phoenix college event that's coming up in the very near future and so i'm looking forward to seeing that and how that progresses and outside of that i think i'm going to wrap up the podcast because uh this is the last bit of things that we'll be talking about with generationalism as far as this after this i'm going to be moving on to different topics and ideas and sharing some ideas about maybe the difference between distress and eustress and how you know the difference and kind of getting back to my, our race Maybe more of our classism stuff. Uh, looking forward to doing that in the future. So again, if this podcast made you think, if you were interest, interested in something, or you want to have a better, a longer conversation about any of the things that we discussed, let me know, and you can do so at 860 Ooh, let me let me get that number again. It's been a second since I've said that. It's said the voicemail number. It is getting the voicemail number out to you in one breath. It's eight six zero. 576 9393. Remember, you can send texts to that. You can leave me a voicemail, which those are my favorites because I like playing them on the podcast. Been getting emails at inclusiveactivismcox.net. And again, that's another way you can get a hold of me. But I really am hoping to create this space as a dynamic space of conversation where you and I can talk back and forward about topics. What do you think about things? And what spaces am I not woke enough that I need to get better in so I can improve for y'all? So, let me know, because I, this is part of what I really enjoy in doing the podcast, and the other thing that we're looking forward to doing in the very near future is having Sarah over to talk about our three-year retrospective. We've cost the three-year mark, and so I'm really interested to see where we're at, what we're thinking. I'm kind of right now feeling maybe another two years, but I don't know after that. And again, if this means something to you, let me know. It's always important to appreciate folks. So with that, that is all the time I have for you. I hope you've been uh, enjoyed our time together and i'm hoping to hear you uh leave a voicemail or continue to stay tuned to the inclusive activism podcast and i will keep you tuned in to all the good that we're doing and the places that we're looking to grow and spread in the future with that remember we on reactivity they're gonna try to mess with you don't react just know what you need to pay attention to and know what is people just trying to get your attention and with that That is Rowdy Duncan signing off from the Inclusive Activism Podcast, and I appreciate your time, attention, and ears.